0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
1: Hello, it's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James, and welcome to our 200th episode live in front of a pub audience here at the Old Suffolk Pub. Oh. Yeah. So today we'll be discussing Fulham's 2-2 draw against Charlton at the Cottage. In part one, I'm joined by two Fulhamish originals in Ben Jarman. Hello everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And Fowl Monk.
2: to yeah. us yeah. yeah. everyone. And
1: give a big round of applause for Gentleman Jim, everyone here. Yeah. And then in part two, Jack Collins. Yeah. Who? He's going to be joined. Never by... of him. <laughs> it's is gonna be it joined... BT sport? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Beach Reports, Jack Collins, joined by Tom Betts Ooh, and George Digger. Yeah. <laughs> and we're also going to be joined by Barry Hales and Sean Davis as a special guest today. Yeah. Um, but I know what you're really waiting for. We're going to do some live three-word reviews. So we always do this on the podcast. Uh, would anyone like to kick us off? Stick a hand in the air. Shout it out, Marisa.
3: Why Alfie Lawson?
1: Why yes. Al- oh,
4: Alfie Lawson?
1: <laughs> anyone else? Anyone else got soul? So no
3: booze discount.
1: No booze discount. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, anybody else? Bobby, D- needs goals. Bobby needs goals from yeah. Dave Preston there in the corner. Anybody else? Yes. Two blues. Two two blues. Very yeah, good. Af. That was exhausting. That was exhausting. <laughs> Very good. Nice to do some live free word reviews for once. Okay. Let's have a look at the game. 2-2 draw. Ben, we made some changes after Tuesday's brilliant win against Reading. We were just a bit lacklustre, though, in that first half. Took a while to get going, which is what we saw against Wigan.
5: Yeah, I think the Wigan game gave us an opportunity to step up onto another platform and we didn't really take it for that first half. We were very, very lacklustre. We were very slow, very methodical in our passing, but didn't really do too much. Didn't create particularly many chances um and it was a little bit of a disappointment we had a platform to to go up the league and uh, and to overtake other people uh, and other big, bigger and better teams in this league and we didn't take it that first half and it was really disappointing
1: yeah i mean um farrell scott made a few changes in this game he brought back steven sessignon he brought back cavalero uh at, at left wing and it just didn't really seem to inspire us. I thought Bobby Reed was pretty unlucky to, uh, to get dropped after his performance on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, it was a very positive performance on, uh, on Tuesday night and uh, thankful that I was there because first win in at Reading for quite some time, actually. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was welcoming to see Stephen Session come back in. He's obviously young and, and is, uh, there's a lot to come from him. But I did think it wasn't a very good performance from him in the first half. Um, and Scott Park was right to probably pull him at half-time Uh, But, you know, I think it's actually credit to Charlton here, to be honest, Um, as much as unpopular it's going to be. They man-to-man marked us all across the pitch. They stifled our passing game. They played, like, quite a weird diamond system where they didn't really sort of have, like, any sort of midfield. And, you know, one of our key strengths is... Trying to pass through the trying to pass through the lines and we couldn't because there were no lines to pass through really and it really worked for Charlton in that first half and cre- all credit to them the goal didn't really come against the against the run of play.
1: Yeah, Jim, how surprised were you surprised to see Charlton take the league uh, the lead? Uh, for me, it was um, we were we were guilty of a bit of complacency maybe in that first forty-five minutes after what was such a good win on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, but I tend to agree. I think you've got to give credit to, to Lee Bowyer really and Charlton because with us having scored four away from home and, and played so well on Tuesday, that they could easily have just come and shut up shop and uh, parked the bus if you like. But I thought they played very well. I thought first half in particular, as we were saying, I think maybe a little bit lucky at the goal in front, but um, they certainly were making it very difficult for us first half and... Uh, I thought the changes were, I mean, I, I could understand the, the taking Stephen off, and, uh, but he resisted the temptation to bring Dennis on as a light for light. We went with a very attacking formation in the second half, and I thought we played very well, you know. I mean, if we could have started like that, it's always the same. When you come back from a poor first half, you're always well impressed with the reaction, especially going behind twice to come back and probably should have won the game. Uh, but you kind of wonder why, what went wrong in the first half, you know. But I thought we were unlucky. I mean, we'd be top of the table now if... Uh, if Bobby stuck that one away at the end, it was a great save from the keeper. And, uh, you know, had he not done that, we'd all be celebrating being top of the table at least for a couple of hours. So, you know, I think it's six games unbeaten. Um, and they're a decent side. I mean, they were struggling to, to keep the, keep it up in the second half. And uh, I thought we would, when the seven minutes went up of, of added time, I thought we'd get the winner, to be honest. But, um just a disappointing first half, and I thought a little bit
1: unlucky in the end not to win it. And we'd have got a ten percent discount if Bobby had stuck that in the net as well. Oh, so right. uh, disappointing all round, really. Um, ben, what was what was Scott doing in the second half? I mean, we've we've criticised him for being a bit slow with substitutions at times this season, but he was very proactive um, at half-time, and he yeah. brought double Reed on <laughs> for the uh, for the second half. Yeah. I was I was quite impressed to see him being so forthright at at half-time.
5: I liked, really liked how forthright he was. He understood that there was a lot of disadvantages in the way we set up in the first half and sort of tried to rectify that with two very big changes. I didn't really like the fact that we had Joe Bryan playing left-centre-half. I, I just don't think it really suited what we try and get out of him and what we do philosophy-wise as a side. But I think in this instance it worked because we tried to pin them back as much as possible and I think he had identified quite early on in that first half that their left fullback I think his name's Perrington was getting a, a really far up the pitch and he uh, identified that Nabi Sarr was clearly that week Lincoln just let Cavaliero go one on one against him and I, I did like that um, I thought Reed was a great introduction. He gave us much more mobility. Bobby Reed that is. Gave yeah. us much more mobility in the centre of the, of the pitch. Um, he was very active. He was always looking for the ball, always looking to shift the ball. And when you're in opposition midfield, it's really, really hard to try and keep track of someone that's constantly moving, constantly trying to look for a forward pass. And that's what he did. And I think that gave us that extra added impetus that we didn't have in the first half, where we tried to control the play and on a note in the first half towards the end of it when we hadn't gone 1-0 up despite creating loads of chances it was clear that the individualism of all that front three sort of come to the fore you didn't really have Knockhart linking up with Mitrovic you didn't have Mitrovic linking up with Cavaliero they were sort of doing their own thing and it was actually quite detrimental to the way we were trying to play and I think he identified that and sort of changed it a little bit um, and I, I thought Cavaliero don't accept any well right, right wing back but Knockhart uh, I didn't really like him there
1: have you had a word with Fulham, Jim, about the fact they've bought two reads? That must be making your life a nightmare this season. Yeah,
0: but yeah, particularly since Jamie's a Reed as well. I'm oh, sure yeah, Jamie it. Reed as well. It's just <laughs> the... Uh... Yeah, it can, it can get confusing. But, I mean, they're both, uh, I think, they're good acquisitions. Bobby does need a goal, I think. Uh, you know, he's, and he's got goals in him. He will score goals, but he, he hasn't quite settled yet. I mean, he's been a bit part player, really. But he is a terrific player, and as an attacking midfielder, he gives us that option. He was unlucky today... Uh, he had one good right-footed shot on the run that the keeper tipped over the bar. And then the you know, the one from close range, I mean, he should be scoring, really. But I think he obviously felt, it, as long as he got a clean contact on it from that range, kept it on target, it's got to go in. And uh, the keeper's made a remarkable save, really. But he's good. I think young Harrison Reid as well. Um, I like Arter, to be honest. I thought the, the three, yeah. Kearney, Johansson oh and Arter, for me, I would start with. But I don't know if Harry might have uh, picked up a groin injury or something just before half-time. He seemed to do the splits and... Uh, and definitely was uh, struggling a bit so he didn't come out but um, yeah I think the two reads I think all the acquisitions to be honest Sammy this uh, this year or certainly the vast majority are much better they're they're players that can uh, fit straight in we've got the individual brilliance as you say some of the goals we've seen this season already have been fantastic so we we brought in players that can win matches or get you back into matches as as Ivan did today and I just think they're all solid pros they all seem to me players that are happy to be at Fulham and want to be at Fulham And I think if we can get promoted this season, those lone players would would be more than happy to stay, obviously, if we're back in the Premier League. And I think they're players that could could cope in the Premier League. And then hopefully all we'd, we'd have to do if we could get up is add two or three players rather than making wholesale changes and and bringing in maybe slightly more mercenary characters or people that, you know, just want to play in London or play in the Premier League with no real interest in the club.
1: Learning from some of the mistakes maybe of the last promotion. Yeah,
0: you'd like to think we've learned from that. And if we could get promoted this year, and hopefully, please God, we will, um, I think we may have learned from that and, uh, and we'd be able to cope, cope and stay there
1: this time. Um, Faz, what would you do uh, right back for the upcoming loss against Stoke? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, shake hands at the coin toss and say let's call it a draw or yeah, something yeah, like that
0: or you go with Dan Byrne surely
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah get Dan Byrne back loan. he seems to be doing wonders at Brighton from fullback. Um, I think that we have you know considering the troubles that Stoke are at the moment I think they're playing at the moment they're probably 3-0 down at the moment they uh, already
1: Brighton. were 1-0 down when I last checked oh tracked. really
2: so that means Fulham lost incoming 1-0 one 1-0 one well, okay 1-0 there you the go a big comeback yeah there you go yeah we're doing live scores now everyone <laughs> keeps shouting out um, I think that I would personally. I don't. I, I really wasn't impressed with Steven Sessegnon in the in that first half. Um, there was a few times he did start quite a few counter attacks. There was two opportunities within two minutes where he had uh, to to launch something into the box, and they were really woeful passes. But his defending is pretty good. He didn't really let anything come down their right hand side. It was only when they were re- he was really overloaded for that cross to come in for the for the uh, opener. Um, could you really fault him? Not really. Um, but, you know, it's quite nice, the fact that we are choosing in between a young um, young player in Steve Session who has got a bright future ahead of him and Dennis Stoy, who we all know is very, very capable of playing that right-back slot. Um, and I, I, it's, it's a toss-up. I think, I think there's more than enough quality throughout the, the team that we shouldn't really focus on the right-back position.
1: I mean, you literally met Cyrus Christie... Earlier, is there any indication that Cyrus has a future in in the side? I mean, there was quite a controversial article with him in the Times yesterday, where he literally said, "I don't think the Fulham fans like me," which was which was quite sad to read, actually.
2: Yeah, it was quite sad. What do we think of him in here? So he's not starting then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, it, he's coming. It, he's going to be coming up against his old team hopefully in a few weeks time in Middlesbrough um, you know for his sake uh, we all know that he's actually quite a good uh, right back in this league Um, Jack
5: Collins is mouthing best right back (laughs) in the club to me
2: But, you know, he's not in the team at the moment. And while, we're, while we are undefeated, while we are winning games, we are now six undefeated in the league. There's no reason to chop and change too much and try and throw a, throw a you know, googly in there and start playing, you know, Bubakar Kamara up front because that would be the disaster of the club right here.
1: There we go. The first Bubakar Kamara mention of the Fulhamish podcast today. <laughs> Only took about 15 minutes. Um, ben, it was an electric start to the second half. And... As a neutral, you'd have been delighted with your value for money, really, oh, yeah. um, from that second 45 minutes. And what a goal from Cav. He seems to be one of these players who does absolutely nothing for, for ages and then just pops up with a, with a belter like that. It was a lovely ball as well. I think it was Bobby Reid who, who played it down that, that right channel.
5: Yeah. yeah, it was Bobby Reed who played it on that right channel. And Caviero took his goal so well. And I, I actually disagree with you. I think he... Did a little bit. He'd done more than I think a lot of people would probably realise. He created a lot of space for for Joe Bryan to come inside and outside of him to create chances, especially if you're trying to put the ball in the box. But for the opening 15 minutes, I thought Cavalier had total control of the game. He was probably our best player, our best outlet and created a lot of chances for us. But after then, sort of dropped off a cliff a little bit. He is an in and out sort of player. And if a player's got that much pace and power, you can't expect him to do everything for 90 minutes. But... I, th- I thought his goal was exceptional you, you could argue maybe that I- i've spoken to a couple of the lads here already that they think that the keeper could have done a little bit more but i'm not sure he could there's a lot of velocity on that shot and it does swerve away from him me and alfie my cousin were sat right behind it and there was a little swerve right at the end uh to take it into the net so yeah i think it's a, it's a great finish and he does something out of nothing that a lot of players on our team as jim said earlier can produce
2: I've got to highlight the fact that, you know, one thing we've done differently this year with our with our recruitment is that the two wingers we've gone for are so dynamic and they offer something completely different to the wingers that we've had uh, in recently. Like, no disrespect to Aite and Carbano and all those other players that have been in recently. They, when you see them live, um, they just constantly move and they're constantly, um, like... Their fullback just doesn't know where they're going to go. They are constantly trying to make runs in behind, trying to come short. They don't know where to uh, stick or twist. Their, their left back in the first half was having, uh, sorry, right back in the first half was having real problems with Ivan Cavalero all half, and he didn't know whether to come inside, come short. Um, and it, it, it's actually that dynamism in the team, together with players like Bobby Reid when he came on in the second half, it really does add something that we haven't had in the past. Like, obviously, we've now got a new manager in Scott Parker under Slavica. We kind of are playing the same system under Slavica, but with little minor tweaks here and there. But we now play with so much more aggressive aggressive on and off the ball that it really does work for this team. And, you know, it's kind of showing that we're actually starting a lot brighter than we have done when we were in that promotion season.
1: Um, Jim, we, we got that goal back at the beginning of the first, uh, second half, and I think we all thought here we go, routine Fulham victory, here we come. And then that, that sucker punch from Charlton just so quickly after we managed to get back into the match was, was frustrating. Was it down to a lack of concentration? I thought there was numerous players really at fault for that. I mean, Bessinelli's a bit rooted to his line, but also there was numerous chances to, to get rid of it and clear it.
0: Yeah, uh, we didn't defend the corner well, Sammy, and I think...
1: Um, might have been Tim eventually you, you just that doesn't of sound
2: like Fulham at all Really, yeah,
0: exactly he uh, just poked it I think in front of uh, one of their players and then the, the fella got uh, across Mitro and got ahead of it. we didn't defend it well at all no and that was uh, that was a real kick in the guts having just equalised but at least I think a, f- a few seasons ago we would have probably conceded from the next corner as well and uh, you know and lost the game but at least we had the ability and we had the gumption and we had the, the attitude you know as we say I think they are a lot more uh, there's a lot more uh, Camaraderies come back. There's yeah. there, there's aggression there. There's team spirit, and you always felt we could get more goals uh, as long as we didn't concede any more. I, I felt confident we'd go on and win the game. But yeah, it was it was slack. I thought both the goals. I thought the first one, and and I certainly wouldn't blame Stephen Sessegnon. For me, if if a cross comes from the far touchline, you you've got to be looking at the defenders. You know, within the width of the goal and and the back on the op- opposite side. You know, their right backs got totally unchallenged. Got it headed back across the box. And then the uh, Gallagher's. Nobody's picked him up at all, you know. So I thought we both of their goals were without a poor defending, and uh, we've been much better in recent weeks. You know, we haven't seen too much of that, so that was disappointing. But uh, overall, I think we're always going to we're always going to score goals. And I thought I thought it was a good switch in the second half to move Cavaliero over to the right hand side. I yeah. mean, we've been used to seeing him cut him from the left and spank a couple of great goals with his right foot and this afternoon he's done the opposite and as long as players have got that sort of thing in their locker you'll always get back into games and I still I firmly believe that you know, we've got the ability and, and the squad of players to compete with anyone in this division I don't see any reason to be fearful of any of the teams in the championship and I honestly think we're, uh, we're going to get promoted positive,
1: positive as ever Jim yeah 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 <laughs> um, Ben we did really raw interaction after that second Charleston goal I mean Joe Bryan got a bit greedy didn't he wanting two goals in two home games um, with his cross come shot that that hit the bar the Mitro hit the bar not too long after that and then it was literally minutes before we actually did get the equaliser through a, a classic goal mouth scramble, the goals you love to see. Um, My favourite goals. But we, I think Jim's right. There is a real camaraderie about this Fulham side this year. And and whatever obstacle, barring maybe Barnsley away where we were a bit meek, that's been put in front of us, we've come back and faced it. Even the Notting Forest game, which we did lose in the end, we're ultimately a, not, a bit unlucky not to. Get back into it. We're in every game this season.
5: Yeah, yeah, we are. And I think that's the the testament to the mentality that Parker brings to this squad. He was a player with them just a few seasons ago, and I think they all know him inside and out. They they know the requirements that he has and he brings to the table as an ex-professional footballer, term manager, and he he has high standards for this club and he wants this club to go far. And I think that's a demonstration of the team on the pitch. They all believe in the philosophy. They believe in the club. They believe in everything that Parker gives them and I think conceding a goal as quickly as we did there and then coming back and levelling up in in the fashion that we did really bringing the game to Charlton underlines the mental strength that this team has and a lot of people will doubt us because they say that we can throw points away here and there but actually that's probably a bigger, that, that draw there is probably a bigger testament to how good we are mentally and on the pitch than anything that we've seen this season it shows a really good um, sort of like adversity that this squad have and when they have adversity against them to, to overcome it and I think that will lead us eventually to being promoted as well
1: Fingers crossed I mean Farrell seven points from nine games if you'd have offered me that Um, This time last week before we took on Wigan. Uh, (laughs) I'd have have 100% taken that. I mean, yes, it is disappointing to get a draw today and maybe it isn't top two form to be drawing so many games at home like we are. But you you almost can't argue with those last three games. And and I have confidence going into this international break that we are going to keep kicking on. It just may not be as dramatic and as quick as we all hoped and expected when this started in August.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We touched on it earlier, the fact that, you know, some, some of the results might have not gone our way, but the fact we've actually performed quite well is actually quite a positive. You know, if you think back to the promotion season, we didn't really have a great start to the season and we weren't performing particularly well and it kind of came about over, you know, trudging through results here and there and getting the odd result coming here and there. Uh, now this season we're actually performing really really well and actually getting the results and then some of them they're not actually going our way as we said before six undefeated in six um, we've now played quite a lot of the top teams we still obviously have to face Leeds and Swansea quite quite hey. soon <laughs> um, but you know I think you know, and, and even when it comes to Charlton Charlton have had an excellent start to the season they've obviously gone off the ball a little bit um, in recent times but you know they are up in they started the day in 8th I believe um, and you know it's actually really positive you know we, we had like what was quite nice on Tuesday the fact that after 3 draws it could have gone off off the ball a little bit we actually had a bit of a routine win in averted commas how, how often do we actually say that um, and even after and Wigan uh, last week as well I think it's all really positive I think we've got a very good team we've got to make sure that we you know, try and stave off the injuries try and keep our form high and as, as you're quite right saying like Scott Parker is that person that's going to try and drive that quality drive that aggressive play keep on driving that quality there was uh, that Chris Baird interview in the week about um, on the Fulham website where he talks about Roy Hodgson's management style, when well, it was all about sort of like consistency, but also about quality. And it's also about everything you do is all about quality, even when it's down to like routine passes or routine crosses. Everything must be top notch at every stage. You can rely on your teammates. Nothing I think we're actually starting to drill, uh, Scott Parker started to draw that into this team.
1: I mean, Jim, there's so much attacking quality in the side, you almost can't fit all of it in really and, and I do feel for Bobby Reid because any any other side in the championship he is their automatic starting player and it's a testament to how much ability there is in that front five let's say you've only got four positions in that starting quartet Who, who's in it for you if you're if if you if you Scott Parker
0: well it's hard to say I mean that's, that's up to Scott and it's not up to me but he, um, I think you've got to look at you know players will, will dip in and out of form players will be scoring goals some will be injured at times some will, could be suspended you know whatever so I think to have five to choose from is is ideal you know it's, it's maybe a luxury at times because as you say you can't play them all but I do think with the the type of players we've brought in this time round they're, they're more accepting of that I think they, they understand that there, there is an awful lot of games to be played most of these have played a lot of games in the championship before they know what yeah. it's all about and they know that it's not, uh, you know, they're not going to throw the toys out of the pram if if they get left out. You know, if, you, if you're if you not informed, some of them are going to have to sit it out and be on the bench at touch. I mean, Cavalero was left out Tuesday night. You know, he yeah. he, he could have gone away and sulked and thought, well, you know, I didn't come here to sit on the bench. He's come on today and spanked in a, a wonder goal again. You know, so I think all those players, the the front players and the midfield players that know they're going to be alternated... Um, and they could be left out at times will accept that and, they, and they'll perform accordingly and when they get their opportunity and they're, they're brought on late in a game or they get a start unexpectedly they'll do their very very best and I'm not sure that's always been the case in the
2: past yeah. Hopefully Mitrovic doesn't sulk too much about how that free kick was taken off him by Mawson at the end of the game Yeah can yeah, we ask
1: what on odd. earth was what was that?
2: Strange it was very
0: strange I mean I've not seen Alfie ever take a free kick in that that sort of area before. I mean, he obviously thought he could do it. It was a difficult one for anybody in the team, I think, to get it up and over the wall and and beat the keeper from there. But he obviously fancied it. He's grown in confidence, and I think it's good to see because, you know, we were all concerned when he went down uh, against West Ham in that pre-season friendly, and we feared the worst. I actually thought... You know, he's got major problems here, Alfie, and we're never, ever going to see the best of him. But to me, week in and week out now, he's he's performing. And alongside Tim Ream, they're starting to look solid. Not today, to be honest. It wasn't their the greatest moment today. But uh, by and large, he's done very well, Alfie. And again, I think all the players that have been brought in now have, have got the right mentality. And I think that in the squad as well, Sammy, you look at... Um, what other managers say, you know, and I know with Lee Bowyer today, who I know probably wasn't a particularly popular player with anybody because he was uh, a nasty piece of work. But, he's, we're, we're, <laughs> but uh,
1: when you say it like it is, Jim,
0: but when you see him uh, speak now, he's a, you know he's a he's a very sensible bloke. He's honest and he talks an awful lot of sense, and he's doing a really good job. Um, and he was ecstatic that they got a draw today. He really yeah. was. Uh, and Neil Harris, who's another one out of the same mould, as far as I'm concerned, very honest, very down to earth. Uh, you know, when we gave. Millwall that doing that night. I mean, he he couldn't say enough about Fulham, and I think other managers recognise what a good squad we've got. And if we're really on it, and if we play to the best of our ability most of the time, I think we're going to take some stopping
1: I mean, Ben, what is there any changes from today's game? Any lessons learnt that we should take into what is a a tough little section of fixtures post international break. You've got that Stoke defeat away at the Bet Three Six Five, and then you've got the losing <laughs> game midweek, and, and and then a long trip to Borough, which ordinarily actually would be a tough game, but they're they're lacking confidence under Jonathan Woodgate. But yeah. it's 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 not an easy run of fixtures by by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that Scott can take from today's game? And and that's what we've discussed over the last few weeks. He is learning all the time and and really adapting some yeah. of his. His managerial decisions based on what he takes from each game to game which actually I really enjoy seeing
5: Actually I think there was probably two weak points today, one of them we talked about Stephen Sessignon, I think the second one was Stephanie Hansen and as much as it pains me to say it, I think his performance today was clearly subpar, he, he, he pulled way too far to the left in the first half, he was come on, come on come on all of you, come on! He was he was way too far to the left. He was he was on Knockart's toes. He was too slow on the ball. You're completely correct, and he was too far up forward. Which, when Charlton decided that they grew into the game, they took advantage of that, and they really did. That's where all of their passing came from. It was in the gap that Johansson had left. And I love Johansson. All of you know this because you've listened to me. But today, he was probably one of our worst players on the pitch I'm sorry all of you See, Sammy can lesson. buy you all a pint
1: to say sorry but that's a lesson when you say I something on, when you say something on controversial on the podcast that's what like No, I know how Dom Betts feels <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what everyone's doing on their train or in their car going boom yeah. and
5: <laughs> Stephanie Johansson the passion merchant <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: uh, yeah, that's not... but
5: no 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 I do. I, I. did think that Stefan was probably unfortunately a weak point for us today until the second half when we gave him more protection I think Harrison Reed was a bit more mobile um, and, and having knockout out there I, uh, in the first half he sort of re- restricted knockout because yeah. he was almost on his toes and he left Kearney too exposed and, and Kearney is, is by far and away our, our best player
1: yeah completely yeah. before we before we finish um, Farrell a quick words on Bobby Reid I thought he was exceptional when he came on that chance at the end though it's it's one part a great save for me it's also another part just be a tad more clinical he was desperate to get it on target and just gave that keeper that fraction of a chance to, to save it and and this would it, would it would change everything obviously we'd have got two more points I mean that goes without saying but I just thought he should do slightly better there. When he gets that goal, let's say maybe he'd scored on Tuesday or something. I think he scores that. I think it's just a tiny lack of confidence just from going through quite a long time without finding the net.
2: Well, we all know about Bobby Decadova-Reed and what he's done at Bristol City. The fact he was converted to a striker and he then ended up scoring for fun once he got his first couple of goals. And hopefully that's going to come for Fulham eventually. Um, but with that chance at the end from where I was it looked like an amazing save but I don't know about it it, it didn't it, from the people in the hammy end it sounded like it seemed like a bit of a routine save and should have been a lot better and it's like one of those ones if you've, if you've already scored 7 or 8 goals this season that's going top bins if you haven't scored yet you're just trying to get it on target and obviously the keeper did very well to get across from from where I was sitting but to be honest, he was actually involved in everything. We, you know, I, I said earlier about how the fact we didn't really have anyone playing in between the lines. He was that person. He was that link-up play between everything that we were doing in the second half. He played two sumptuous balls inside the fullback. One, one was ended up as a ended up as a throw-in on the left-hand side, which actually. Um, came for one chance. I can't remember who it was for, and the second one led to the Cavalero goal. So that shows instantly what his impact is and his quality that we ha- that we have at his disposal. The um, the other thing is that I've got to mention about Tom Kearney though is that how disgusted he was with himself at full time, because we know that if anyone saw, he chucked out he immediately chucked down his captain's armband on the ground. And if you don't think he doesn't care, you've got to look at that. He was disgusted with himself. He wasn't disgusted at anyone else in the team. He knew he could have done better, better today. And to be honest, it wasn't his best performance, but that shows the level of performance that, this, that our captain has, that he is able, that when a, even sort of an above-average um, above game that he had today um, against a team he probably should be beating, that shows the level that he thinks that he should be playing at. He gave the ball away probably more times than he has done community over the past year or so and yet he was disgusted with himself and that shows like the level of passion and the level of like commitment he has and the level of quality that he puts on himself and it shows the level of quality that is expected of all the players in this team and Bobby Reid when he came on came on today and Cavalier when he started today it shows how much they actually really care and how much actually they really want to sort of win with Fulham
1: I mean Scott there was um, sorry Jim I was about to say.
2: <laughs> Is that an insult to Scott? or? An <laughs> hey,
1: so it's a compliment to Scott. Um, Jim, there was that time when you and I did the commentary once and Scott Parker was alongside us um, back in the day. And I remember, never forget, he had such high standards for everyone that was playing alongside him. I remember last Vegan Christensen missed a really... I thought, difficult chance from about 40 yards. The keeper was slightly out of his net, but I thought it was a really difficult one. He was fuming with, with, with Lasser, and it always stuck with me that I think that Scott, yes, okay, this management game is, is new to him, and he's learning slightly on the job, but he demands really high expectations of his players, and, and I think that's starting to filter through now, and Savisa had lots of qualities. He's one of our greatest ever managers but I don't remember this kind of team spirit from a Fulham side in, in a long time maybe maybe since like Chrisy Coleman days it, it's been a long time since I've really seen a team kind of this gels and this this together and what they're trying to achieve
0: yeah I, th- I think Scott's done very well and I I think he he is going to prove himself to be a very competent manager I think he'll do very very well I think he's already doing well obviously I get to see a little bit of him on, uh, on match days and uh he has got very high standards, as you say, for himself and for everybody else. But he, he's proper, Scott. He does things the right way. Um, I was very impressed up at, uh, at the away game, was it? Jeff or Wednesday, when he, he grabbed hold of Harry when he called oh, him yeah, over, and that was good. Uh, glorious. I think had that not been in. in in view of everybody if it had been down a tunnel he, he'd have nutted him you know he was, uh, he, was <laughs> he was absolutely furious with like Sunday that.
2: roast with around the family must. yeah have been exactly a bit it's
0: difficult but, but yeah and he probably was there the next day but yeah. I mean he's you know he's, he's a very quiet guy because as you say we we did that commentary together and I, I could hardly hear Scott what he was saying he's a very quietly spoken fella um, but he's got higher standards of saying, and he knows what it's all about and he's, he's surrounded himself with, with good people he's got a good young up and coming trainer in you know which uh, Shows that he's not f- scared to bring somebody in with with yeah. their own ideas. He's got Stuart Gray there as well, the old experienced head. And I think, I think Scott is going to do a really good job for us. And uh, and as you say, like with Cookie and, and with Kit and those sort of boys when they were there, it's it's somehow for me. And not knocking Slav at all, but to to get that connection with the manager as a fan and and players. I think um, he maybe was a little bit cold, but he's also you know when you've got a London boy and and someone who's played for the club from my point of view I'm much happier with that you, you want them to succeed and uh, and I really do for Scott because A, he's a, he's a very good lad he's a nice kid uh, and on top of that I think he's doing things the right way and I think he's going to be very successful for us
1: and, and you inject- and and um, before we finish for this part Jim are you guys uh, okay up there on the gantry without the river- rest of the Riverside? It looks a little bit uh, looks a little bit exposed. It
0: is very strange, Jamie. We're in the press box again today, actually, because when there's a televised game, they've um, the uh, health and safety people have decided you can only have 14 people on on the uh, temporary gantry. So. TV crew takes that up, so we were back in the press box today, which is great. But when we are over there, yeah, particularly the the night game, you know, it is very strange atmosphere. And now that the some of the panels are actually coming down at the, at the back of the stand, you know, and you're going to be able Once that's gone, it's, it's going to be freezing over there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping really that uh, they'll, they'll stick us in the press box and leave us there. It's not quite as good a view, but. Uh, it is good enough you know and i get a bit of stick from the fans that are right behind me but uh, but yeah once that goes but looking at the uh, i mean it was it was always empty when i first started going to fulham you know the, the, we just yeah. look straight into the river and uh, we'll be able to do that again but once the new stand goes up it will be fantastic and uh, you know it'll add only add to what's already the, the greatest stadium in the world for me are
2: Brilliant. you uh, are you gonna be able to get a cup of tea at half time at all no no. <laughs> no how do you warm up at half time
0: uh, well we have to keep going unfortunately over there. I mean the worst thing is you know, you can't you can't go to the toilet, you can't get a cup oh. of tea, you can't although Jamie will if he if he needs to go, he'll go. But
2: but a moppy as well as end of the flag. He
0: will go and find a toilet, is uh, what I meant to say. He doesn't just go on the gantry, but but he does have an exceptionally weak bladder, but, uh,
2: but <laughs> little yeah, you know, fella though, so yeah, yeah, I, I know I know what you mean. It, yeah,
0: it's little and, and regular I suppose, but he's um there's nothing over there, no. So I think we'll be, he'll slip off and get us a. Because he was only actually brought in to, to carry my bags, Jamie. <laughs> 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 but uh,
1: He still I've, got my job then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
0: hopefully, it, uh, if we stay in the press box, he'll be able to slip away and get a couple of coffees at half time. But we are, we are um, you know, we stay live, so we, we can't go anywhere. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, once, once a new stand goes in, I don't know what the gantry's going to be like. But uh, if it's anything like the old one, you know that, Sammy. I mean, uh, it was the greatest view in the world. Great yeah fantastic yeah.
1: well Jim thank you so much for no, being on for today give a round of applause to gentlemen Jim an absolute legend okay we're going to take a short break Jack is going to be back Hosting a bit of a Q&A, a uh, chance for you guys to ask some questions, get some drinks, get some food as well if you're hungry,
6: and we'll be back in about 15 minutes. Would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out anytime if you want. To sign up, go to fulhamish.co.uk Forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's Fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are we doing? Hey! I'd like to start this half off by just basically giving a shout out to Stephanie your handsome, please. <laughs> <laughs> And also, Dom and I are sitting next to each other, so please, no religion and no politics, because uh, otherwise things get a little bit out of hand. Right, my name is Jack Collins, and I'm delighted to welcome you back to the Fulhamish live 200 podcast at the Old Suffolk Punch. Make some noise. No, seriously, make some noise. (laughs) Right. So, first off, on my left, on my far left, the cottage calcio calculator, the XG expert, the statistics sage, Mr. George Singer, please. Hello, Jack. And the most controversial man in Fulham podcasting, the man who misses more goals than Steve Marley one on one, (laughs) is Mr. Dombess. Hello, hello. But more importantly, sorry boys, <laughs> I'm delighted to welcome two Fulham heroes of the teams of the early 2000s. Teams I'm sure many of you will agree gave us some of the best times as Fulham fans that we can ever agree. Please, firstly, one of Fulham's greatest ever goal scorers and a man who banged in goals at literally every level, Sir Barry Hales. Hi, Hi guys. <laughs> I like this one because... Barry's song as a kid was one of the only ones at the cottage I could join in with. Like, you know, they were, all the rest of them were well up there, but Barry's song was one of the very few songs that we could get involved you, with. You so
4: actually, you like actually got his name wrong. It's Sir uh, Barry Edward Howes the first. Sorry. <laughs> OBE. <laughs>
3: I'm telling uh, you.
4: And the only man to
6: have represented Fulham in all four divisions, and someone that inspired many of us, not only on the football pitch but also on the dance floor. Mr. Seanny Davis <laughs> We've got we've got live music after this Sean so I'm expecting at some point the Blackburn skank to come out. You could you could give me these Jager Boys.) <laughs> So this section of the podcast can be a bit more of a QA, and a a bit more interaction. I know that a lot of you will have questions for these two. Maybe these two, but probably not. Probably not um, but we're going to start things off by asking you boys what you thought of today's game. Seems like a fair place to start. So Barry, I'll start with you.
7: Um, I thought um, Fulham should have won, really. I thought um, the, the better team didn't win, better chances right near the end. I thought Bobby Reed should have scored. I know people saying it was a great save, but I think with more games... He, he would probably score that nine times out of ten cool
4: sean uh first half i thought Charn done really well uh man to man i thought the midfield was a bit bit shaky uh i disagree with the guy who said johansen was our worst player
8: Yeah, yeah Ben.
4: Uh, I, I personally thought listen don't get me wrong when when we signed harry Uta, i thought it was a great signing and i think it will be a great sign i just thought it was one of those games where he, he was ineffective. He w- he wasn't making tackles. I think he did get left a little bit exposed by Kearney and Johansson were playing miles too wild. But give give credit to Scott Parker. He, ma- he made a brave change putting not and Cavallo wing backs because uh, that could have gone the other way. You know with the Absolutely, space yeah. they exposed at the back. But all in all, I think we could have nicked it at the end. Obviously, uh, Bobby Reid should score that for me. The, it, it hit the goalkeeper. People say it's a good save. I, I think I he should the score. Well, but- well, it, Barry would have bubbled it in. Of course, he
8: would. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
8: obviously, looking at the midfield, obviously we've seen different combinations this season. Um, do you think the lack of sort of midfield balance we've seen in certain games has been an issue? That there's been so many different midfield combinations, or do you think that doesn't have sort of play a part at all?
4: Uh, different games, different scenarios. Uh, what I think we did do well in the second half is we we, we got the ball in between there. Uh, Defense and midfield, which we weren't doing in the first half. I think Bobby Reed is highly noted by everyone here. Came on and kind of changed the game with his enthusiasm. I do think that uh, Mitrovic is such a strong player and such a link play. We need to get people in and around him. So if we can get the ball forward quick enough to him, then people like Reed and Kearney can then get the knockdowns and then, you know, provide assists or, or shots on target.
3: A few times we've seen a really a really attacking side on the pitch, particularly you know today and also. Nottingham Forest earlier in the season. I think we had two defenders and pretty much eight strikers. You know, do we do we think we're you know we have enough defensive players on the pitch? And if you know those defensive guys, your Harrison Reed, your Harry Arter, are we kind of leaving them a bit to expose at times? Do you think?
7: And uh, uh, when the team's on top, you um, tend to push on and make more chances. But when you score the chances, then you, you don't think about um, um, clearing uh, at the back. So um, I think when, when Fulham do go forward, it's such a threat from the, the, the front five to front six that we, yeah, we should score goals and then teams c- come out and we can pick them off. In terms of,
6: I mean, you were one of the most clinical we've ever seen, Barry, but today we were reasonably wasteful I- I- in front of goal. Is that a problem going forward? Is that something that you think would just come as the team starts to gel a little bit more uh, and get together
4: more?
7: I, I I do think it's early days but and I think um, sometimes we do pass it around especially in the final third a, a bit too much and when you've got a focal point of uh, um, the, the main man up top you need to find him earlier like Sean said and get players in and around him because he, he can start two or three players onto him and then when the ball drops there's chances there Absolutely.
6: Um, the season so far Sean, is it good to medium to well, like, how, how do you feel Fulham are, are getting on, is it just like we're cooking quite nicely and a little bit below the boil and, and that could kick on to be a promotion season or is it this needs to gel and quickly? Uh,
4: no, in previous years obviously I don't think the the, the, the squad's been strong enough, uh, we've started off very slow, the year we got promoted, the year before that where we, we've always been known to start the, the campaign quite slowly. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more pressure now because of the players he's brought in and the wages and such and obviously the budget the, yeah. of the side. Uh, I think he's a reasonable start. I think uh, the championship is such a hard league because it's, it's Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. But uh, touch touchwood I think the only problem I would see is if Mitrovic got injured, how would we combat that? Uh, for me, January is important in regards to can we recruit a right-back and can we recruit another centre-forward because apart from Mitrovic we haven't we haven't got another centre forward. If he gets injured, who comes in? Obviously, the years we played, we had uh, Barry, we had Louis Sahar, and we had Luis Uh Good enough. They were all players. That, no, not a bad. Not a bad three, but and and the thing thing with all three of them as well that they played, they was available to play each week. There was no injuries. They always wanted to play. Uh, they, probably played through injuries which you don't really get too much nowadays with the sports science side of stuff so for me I think that the club's in a good space I think the recruitment obviously listen don't get me wrong I think Young's uh, a good player and I think it's good that he's playing because I think we do need to breed the, the young players it gives confidence to the academy the academy staff it gives confidence to all the young players that aspire to be in the first team so that's great but going forward can we sign you know a Premier League right back? If we get that, then I, I, I think that I'm not saying that's the, the be-all and end-all of getting in promotion, yeah. but I think that will give us an, an extra an extra chance to get promoted, plus a you know an experience or even a, a young lad from one of the Liverpool's, Man City's, or Chelsea's to come on loan. But saying that, we signed a kid from I think Chelsea. Is yeah. it Martel Taylor crossdale I think given a chance, I think if he uh, you know fills out a little bit more and given a chance, he, he could score goals. But but you never know of a young kid until you throw him in.
8: With the Championship, obviously, if you look at the two seasons we got into the playoffs, we didn't, as I said, didn't start the seasons too well. Do you think it is just about sort of staying within grasp of those top players? You don't want to, like, blow everyone out sort of early doors in the Championship because then you could, you know, burn out, as we've seen Leeds in the last, well, I don't know, 20 years. But um, <laughs> do you think it's about just staying within and then when it comes to that February-March stage, you really push on and then you frighten the rest of the league?
7: Yeah, yeah, I think the key to it is being amongst it come April, and I think I think we're say it's a very long season, and if we keep playing the DM, the DM way we have been playing, then we should, we should be up there definitely.
3: Cool. Slightly uh, a different type for this question. So one thing we've seen recently at Fulham is set pieces and how we really seem to struggle with them, both defending and attacking them. You know, today we saw lots of different players take them. We saw you know kind of lots of different systems. I was wondering, you know, as players. How, how often do you practice set pieces? Do you think it's, you know, something that can be perfected by doing a lot more stuff on the training ground? Do you think Fulham are actually okay at them? What are your thoughts from a set piece point of view?
4: Well, we, well I don't think anyone in the room can say Fulham are great at defending corners. Uh, <laughs>
7: or I mem- or I mem- attacking them Sure,
4: to be honest. I, rem- I remember when I was doing the commentary with Jim, it was like, every time the opposition had a corner, it was like, you know, hands in the face, like, are they going to score? Uh, going back to when we played... Uh, under i think it was ray wilkins uh, they had a assistant manager called uh, S- frank sibley and he used to take cookie kit andy melville uh, and i think steve hayward was the corner taker at the time and he used to do 15 20 minutes after training or whenever and they used to drill it drill it drill it and i think that season i think even Morgs was uh, some morgan was uh, involved in that as well and i think the center half scored at least five six goals apiece and I think it does count and it, it takes a little bit of pressure off the strikers because at the moment, if Mitrovic doesn't score, there's a, the, we're struggling a little bit. Obviously Kearney scored a few few Worldies recently, but I do think that you can work harder on the set pieces. Uh, obviously players hate doing, uh, doing the, defending the set pieces, but it has to be done. I think it's just attention to detail and knowing S- Scott and the professionalism that he brings, he'll be annoyed that we are conceding so many goals from crosses.
7: I think um w- when you bring back every player back that just invites pressure i think it, and if we leave one or two out and then i think it, it leaves more space in the box for the players to attack the ball and um, i think when you bring it uh, everybody back when you do clear it it, it it will just come straight back and i think we will we, we um, struggle from that
6: domino you have a a couple of questions for barry about the different levels of football and uh where you've been to
8: yeah because i mean as to quote a famous quote you, heard, you know most people, most people you know give up playing football or give up playing for the country but you just seem to love playing it is is it just because simply for the love of the sport you know playing down the likes of you know chesham churro is it simply because you just love banging in goals left
7: right and center um e- yes i like, i love playing <laughs> Yeah, first and foremost, I just love playing the DM game at whichever level I play at. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm 47. I'm still playing a little bit less now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I, I just really enjoy it. And, um, yeah, I've I've, I've I've been at many clubs, many non-league clubs at the minute. But, yeah, I'm now at Mercham, assistant player-manager. So um, I'm trying not to play as much, but I'll get drafted in a lot. <laughs>
4: Hold, hold on. We we played in a we played in a vets game last Sunday against the RAF. Uh, traveled all the way up to Burton, and he did not stop moaning at me the whole day. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Even though he was probably our best player, every time I got the ball, any chance he passed into me, any chance he passed him to me, and that just shows obviously the passion he still has for the game. Uh, he always loves playing football. Uh, ever since I've I've known him. He hates losing at anything connect four cards <laughs> he's probably the worst loser i've ever known but you need players like that in the team i think when we were playing we had, every player hated losing it came from you know the experience always go back to when we were playing the spine and the side we had mike taylor in goal we had chris common center off uh, probably one of the best captains I don't know, we both played under. Uh, we had Lee Clark, who could moan for fun, and then you had Barry, who could moan for fun. So uh, <laughs> people look, might look at it as a negative, but when you've got someone on you all the time, all the time, it kind of it, it raises your level. And you, the attention to detail that you guys were talking about before, about Scott Parker, you know, players, little passes, everything being attention to detail. If you haven't got players like that in a team, it, it just, just doesn't work. I think like maybe adding to that and
6: probably on the same tack you were both part of you know arguably the club's most ever most successful ever promoted side you know and went on that 13 year stint in the Premier League and that was very much you got us there and got us sorted and got started what went wrong last year what what in your eyes was was the issues with Fulham last year and why do we find ourselves back here in this situation after what looked like a really you know a lot of us here will, will say that we came out of last summer and we were like we've signed so well we've brought in all these really really talented players and we were all absolutely massively excited and then to come straight back down and lose that is obviously massively disheartening it in one team, but what what is it for you that really ticked that over what went wrong
4: i i, I didn't know a lot of the players that we signed and that was alarm bells in my ears, you know, we signed you know, Siri and people like that, I, I didn't know much about them and I feel if you, and the first part of the team is having that team spirit and having people that have played at that level and have got the experience and I feel we never had that last, I actually feel that the team we've got now would do a lot better than the team last season, I don't know if anyone agrees with me with that but I think the signings this season have been... Not Hart's played Premier League football. Carvalho's played Premier League football. I think this year the team's more equipped going up than it was. Uh, listen, the ambition the club showed by spending the money, whether the rec- recruitment was right, I'm not, I don't think it was. But I feel you, when, you, when you do go up, you need. we didn't add too much when we went up. We added Steve Malbronk, who was probably unheard of, but an absolute unbelievable player. But we had players that had been there and done it. So they helped the likes of myself that hadn't been in the Premier League and the younger lads, they helped us. So I do feel that you need to buy the experience and people with the know-how and then get the dressing room together. Because once you've got the dressing room together, it's half the battle won.
7: Larry? Um, yeah, I do agree. Because um, he, I think they spent 100 million on that and, and, and the faces who came in wasn't recognised Premiership players. Apart from Scherler, I think, coming in. I mean, he was the, the only one who, who, who I thought played in the Premiership. So when I looked at the, the squad and looked at the team, I thought, well, you, you need to get that balance. And we we changed a lot of players and, and, and moved them on and brought in players, and the balance just wasn't there. And I think that, that proved across the um, whole season that we, we we just got stuck in that rut. And then you might look, look at the um, formation. I remember watching a game, I think we played against Arsenal, and we played three at the back, and both wing-backs were on the halfway line, and the ball's dropping, it was 3v3 and, and Arsenal just kept waving attack and I'm thinking, that's down to the players it's down to the, to the personnel on the pitch so yeah, it was, it was quite frightening I've got to say.
6: Absolutely, right well, let's open this up to the floor please, heads up, if you have any questions for anyone, but probably Sean and Barry One I would imagine, so let's see what we got
4: on, straight in the dirty insider information. Um,
6: one of my favourite film players, besides
3: you two, uh, is was Louis Botha um, And he was probably the most surprised, surprising transfer when the day that happened when he went to West Ham. Um, can you guys? Do you guys know? If, was it a surprise to the team and the teammates at the time? Um, him going to West Ham at a time like that when he seemed to be doing quite well for years? <coughs>
4: Oh, well, I wasn't at the club at the time, but knowing Louis, it, it, he probably felt he wasn't, you know, wanted. Uh, there's different scenarios when you leave a club, it's either, uh, the, the, you, you're not happy there and you want to leave, or the club want you out. So, probably it was, you know, the club might, might have wanted to move him on in regards to wages, or I, I don't know that, that 100%, but losing, losing a player like Lewis Barmorty would have affected the, the dressing room, because uh, on the pitch, horrible man. Horrible man. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> like, filth, kick ya, pinch ya. Uh, everything off it one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet friendly or you would be out by buy, buy your bottle or by buy the meal for your fam. just one of those guys so to lose a player like that in a squad would have been detrimental uh, Louis loves the club, I know he's, obviously he's working at Everton now, assistant manager but he always comes back when he can so it probably would have been that the club maybe wanted him out and, and, and he decided that he wanted to play more football and, and move on but I don't know the 100% truth if I'm honest Excellent. Who's up?
6: Go on, Adam. What's your favourite goals that you scored for
4: Fulham? Um,
7: my first goal against Southampton was probably um, up there, but and then scoring a hat-trick against Watford on a boxing day. Uh, that's a, definitely up there. I can name many more, too. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's never
6: let me forget that game. I was about six. And um, I sat there on the rails in the Hammersmith end, and I was like, Dad, I'm really cold. And he was like, "We're one nil up against Welford on Boxing Day. We're not going anywhere." And it went two nil. I was like, "Dad, I'm really, really cold." And he's like, "Put his coat on me." And he's like, "Right, okay, hold on." And it gets to like three nil, and he's like, "We're not going anywhere." He's in a t-shirt. I've got about sixteen layers on. And at the end, I come home, get flu. Mum's absolutely furious. She's like, "He told you he was cold." But he was like, "I wasn't missing Barry scoring a hat trick in the air. <laughs> on Boxing Day." So fair play.
4: you I reckon I can hazard a guess, what we always might be. Uh, it has to be Blackburn away, probably.
7: Yeah. The,
4: the, the, to be fair, I've not really said this story that much, but we, we played Blackburn away. Uh, obviously, great result. All the boys are on a high, get on the coach. There's no beers or anything on the coach because Tegana hated us drinking. Uh, and we were playing Huddersfield, I think, three days, four days later. Was it three days later? So uh, the following day I think Bolton were playing at home against someone and the, the manager said to us, oh, who wants to go to the game? So all the lads were like, yeah, we'll go to the game. So we got in the coach, we went to Bolton and then we had this box. So we got in the box and about 10 or 11 of us in the box. and. I think it was Baz turned to me and went, they're "No, not, it, they're it, not selling." It's idea. Right there, right there. right, yeah. there's, there's no alcohol. I went, oh, let's, "Let's go to the pub across the road." So we went to the pub across the road and obviously had a few drinks, celebrating. Uh, got didn't get carried away. Uh, yeah, yes, yes yeah. we did. Yeah, yeah. I got that. <laughs> But then we were watching the game, the actual bottom game on the uh, the Sky TV in the pub, and then. While the game's playing, they zoom in to the box with all the Fulham players. We don't think anything of it. We get back to the hotel and Tagana's like got his toothpick in. He goes through the door and then he says hello to everyone. And he, he pulled me and Barry went, "Oh, I, I didn't didn't see you in the box. Where where were you two? Like where were you? we were like well, trying not to breathe on him because we smell like." And then, luckily enough, we both were sub for the Huddersfield game, so we got away with that. But <laughs> so it's all history. If Tigana knew we were, we were in the pub, he would have absolutely crucified, crucified us. <laughs> so yeah, that that was an old senior player dragging on a young player. So I I, I, I just blame both
6: <laughs> Liam, Liam, I know you got a question. Uh,
2: um,
7: just on this season. In terms of best players, they can be interested with the in last, but for me, Joe Bryant was the most consistent this yeah. yeah. season. What have you boys thought of Joe Bryant, basically? Um, um, yeah. Uh, today, I thought he had a lot of space in the first half, and he didn't exploit it for me. But I know so far um, he's been very good. But uh, today, because they uh, they played with a diamond and he had so much space and I thought he could have exploited it a bit more in the first half and he got round the box. and I know you had that shot that went wide now, but I thought he could have penetrated a little bit more.
4: For, for me, I, I think he's a very, very good championship uh, defender. I think he's still got... There's still that potential to be a Premier League player. Hopefully next year when we're in the Premiership, he can, you know, prove... <laughs> a lot of people wrong but for this league i think he's probably one of the best left left backs in this league he's he's done really well uh like i say the balance if we can get another right back him on one side and the right back you know roving forward then it would be hard to handle
6: i think that's maybe part of it you know under Slavisa, we saw the full backs flying on time and time and time again and we haven't seen that so much under parker is that something you feel like we can you know, grow towards, or is it just a different style and a different
4: system to what we're maybe used to? And that's why we're, we're struggling with it a little bit is, as fans, I suppose. I think it should be like that. If you've got someone like Harry or holding, it should allow the fullback to push on because then he just comes across and covers the space. So I think that's what Scotty would want, obviously. But today's game was a bit different. I think you just, you just need to feed the ball into the wingers and then they're 1v1. Soon you give it to him. Don't run or get involved in the space. Just give him the ball. And then, because the second half, he gave Cavalier the ball and he was just touching it and whipping it in. And as soon as you get the ball in the box to Mitrovic, whether he's going to win it or not, you know he's going to compete and you know he's going to be a handful. So you know, then you need your midfield players to, you know, anticipate a knockdown or and anticipate a ricocheting off the post. And you, so for, for me, I think we. It's a difficult one. I, I just. I just feel that you, you need to get wired and whip it in because you know, if you're not whipping the ball in or you're not putting the ball into Mitrovic, he, he's non-existent. I think he's going to be a handful no matter... Even if he gives City fouls away, those centre-half stay for Charlton will know they've been in a game. Absolutely.
6: Uh, Barry, I, I suppose it comes to you and a very similar point. Do you reckon Mitrovic gets a bad rap from referees for being a physical player because we saw a couple of times today it was very much six or one half a dozen of the other and everyone's got their shares. everywhere and a decision often goes against him is that just a pitfall of the way he plays
7: yeah I think it is but um, I, think, I think you need that aggression and um, like in teams in general I need that and I think when he plays the, the um, teams the, the team that played against him always yeah. know when they come off the pitch they're in a, a, a tough battle the, the, the centre half I can't I can't, um, how many times he went down today holding, Way too holding many. back his waist, his, his hip. You know, I'm thinking just because it was a battle. But you've you got to give um, a credit to um, uh, uh, Mitchell because there's times when he's made balls, 64 against him, 50-50 balls. And that's what a team needs when you play one up front of a vocal point. Absolutely. Right
3: for the vlog. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Barry, about that actually, because I, I see similarities. What's the difference between being
7: fouled and being backed into it, or were you backing into it? Um, if you're in line when the ball's coming, then and, and he can hold the ball up. The, the, I know the, the um one you're talking about, the far post. Yeah. It was a bit too aggressive. All he did was just stand there and let the lad run into him, and it would have been a corner. But he kind of aggressively, um, yeah, yeah. But um, he's um, he's um. He's all-round player, I, I thought he's, he's, he's fitness as well. He works hard for the team. But he, yeah, he, he sometimes he's, he's 50-50, he's got a shirt and and they've, they've got his shirt. Yeah, 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 like, he, exactly, exactly. I saw something, I think he, he he had a kick out during the game and yeah, I, think, yeah. I think the ref saw it and the ref just turned a blind eye and, and people were saying, oh, he should have got carded for that so if he gets carded for that and then the one near the end that's him off but playing at at that fine line you definitely need that definitely need that go on (laughs) (laughs) Emmett I would like to think so I I would like to think so yeah uh, for me like I said I I think I spoke to someone um, when I come across if, if he's if he's in Go mode and focus and that he scores that nine times out of ten. He he and he kinda just felt like he, he was just getting a good contact on the ball and getting it on target instead of finding a finding the corner for me. You'd have put it in the back of the net, at <laughs> <laughs> the back. Last one for me Barry. Basically,
8: we're missing so- another something to Mitch Fitch right now, come back to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be better
6: than Kamara. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Come how, will he- how will Michael Hector fit into the team? <laughs> sure <laughs> I'm going to come to you, <laughs> obviously. Obviously, we signed him for January, so it's,
4: it's a bit it's a bit different signing him for January and in, in November. Uh, yeah, January is a it's a hard place to come into because I think I, f- I remember he's we signed to... Alan Goma in the January and he didn't really. He, I think he came half injured as well and he, he couldn't settle into the team. But he started the following season. He's a young player. He's got potential. Uh, but I I like Morsen and Ream. I think Reem's very calming. I think uh, he does everything well. He does everything simple as a defender. I've, you have to get the basics right. You know, right side of the, of the, of the, of the attacker. When you get it, just give it simple. Uh, he's aggressive in the header. He doesn't give away too many fouls. And I think his influence on Mawson will create a good partnership over the season. I'd like to see them two play week in, week out. Uh, Hector coming in will, you know, maybe give a bit, put a, a little bit of pressure on them. Obviously, with defenders, suspensions, injuries, he'll, he'll be a good addition to the squad, I feel.
6: Absolutely. Right, I've got two. Ooh, I've got loads more. Don wants one before we get him in. Go on then.
8: Yeah, obviously a a massive point that's been made this season is about, you know, potentially changing the goalkeeper in Bettinelli and obviously potentially Marcus Roder. I've always said he looks, Roder looks better because he's not playing. Because I've I've always, because for me, I always think that,
6: you know, Always, always the optimist on bets.
8: Yeah. (laughs) I, I always think that Fulham's, I don't want to say problem, but since Mark Schwarzer, we've never stuck with a goalkeeper for the entire season. I'm thinking Stecklenburg and Stockdale. I'm thinking, you know, you had Bettinelli, Kerali, you had Joran and you're coming in. Do you think it's important to actually stick with a goalkeeper and keep the same goalkeeper within the team? Otherwise, does it unsettle sort of the back four?
7: Yes, I do. I do. I, I, I think uh, Betts is the best keeper out of the bunch, personally. That should give him confidence. There's times when I saw him running out a few times and I'm thinking, where are you going today? <laughs> and then he backpedaled into that. But, um, but I, I think he talks well. I think he's a great he, he, he shot stopper. And he can pass out from the back. Yeah, come on then. Um, obviously, we are looking What do you think is the biggest
1: strength, the biggest
4: weakness of this team right now? Okay, John, I'll start with you. Biggest strength, biggest weakness of this uh, team right now? I think the biggest strength is uh, you know, the, front, the front four. I'd say, and or uh, well the front six, the ability to, you know, drop Car- Carvalho one game and then Bobby Reed and then bring him back. I think that, that's a, a great option for the squad. I think uh, the biggest weakness will probably be the, the obvious, really, defending set pieces, uh, giving giving the opposition easy goals. Uh, there's not too many times someone scores against us and you think, oh wow, what a goal! It's like, why did we do that? I think sometimes a little bit naive defending instead of you know i know we all like to be in a philosophy where we play loads of football but kicking it into Ed sometimes and, and clearing and clearing your lines and then reorganizing is, is part and parcel of football even people like you know Ree wilkins uh, kevin keegan who were the purists of football managers if it's there to clear you clear the ball you don't take liberties and try and play little one two on the edge of the box and i think over the past three or four years we've been guilty of that Barry, um, yeah, I, I think
7: I, I think the same. But I think um, well, I, I'm, I'm not sure how many clean sheets we, we, we've um, had this, this season. And I've, I remember a couple of results when we've been ahead, and then the last ten minutes the teams have scored. So I think in 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 most games, if we don't score two, then we probably might draw the game and, and not win the game because I, I can't see us winning one nil.
6: Yeah, absolutely. George, George, I want to come to you on this a little bit because, you know, you're our stats guru, our, our wizard. Where do you see our, our strengths and weaknesses in terms of a statistical perspective and, and, like, looking at it a little bit differently, perhaps?
3: Yeah, sure. So, from a, yeah. a kind of, you know, uh, similar to the guys here, from an attacking point of view, we've got the best striker in the league, Imitrovic. You know, no one shoots as much as him and kind of, you know, puts the ball away as, as well as he does. Um, and we've got some of the best creative guys. I mean... I know Dom loves XG. We could talk about XG oh, yeah, for a best bit. if yeah, like the world. XG yep. um, created guys like Kenny Knockart. They do. They do a huge amount. They create a huge amount for uh, for Mitro. Um, I think we saw some like 47 crosses today, which was quite a lot. And I think we we could have done a little bit better with them, but it, it proves that we're we're creating a lot. Um, for me, it's the weakness would be strength and depth in particular areas. We've spoken about Mitrovic and. A lack of backup there and for me Joe Bryan as well where's, where's the kind of where's the left back backup I think Lamarchon can play there but is he that kind of you know roaming fullback is, as Bryan is so I mean if, if the guys can stay fit for the whole season great if we do get an injury in a particular position we might struggle a bit
6: okay sweet a uh, couple more questions and then we'll close this off in the middle uh,
4: who, uh, Barry and Sean who, who's the best manager, you play for? best manager you play for and why? best manager you play for and why? I, I try and take a little bit from each manager. So, overall, I answer your question. I'd say to Ghana, uh, I start with Mickey Adams. Was was such a kind of uh, role model in in a, in. I have to work hard. You know, you have to give everything on a pitch. Just from when I was in the youth team and the the, the running and the the strict rules. And I took a lot from that and it was kind of him and Alan Cork will kind of bounce off each other where Mickey Adams would be really really harsh and Corky would you know put his arm around you so I take a lot from Mickey Adams from that point of view Uh, the late and great Ray Wilkins I never forget him coming to a youth team game and then pulling me aside after and saying maybe you should have done that I thought you'd done that well and he was a great influence on me in my career but Overall, I'd have to say by far uh, Jean Tigana. We had a kind of love-hate relationship where uh, the drinking, or <laughs> not, not so much the, the drinking. I think just little things, you know, attention to detail. I think I turned up late once, and he went, "Why are you late? You're a young lad." I went, uh, where do you live?" I went, "I just round the corner." Why are you late? He said, "Come and knock on my door at 8:30 every morning before training." So I'd go in the morning and I'd go, Mini go. <laughs> and I'd done, I'd done that for a month and back then I thought oh he's being a bit harsh but when you stop playing and you look at the little things it was because he, he believed in me and wanted me to be professional and, and, and have mannerisms and pass that on So, and he gave him my chance really I was in and out I was in and out with uh, Bracewell. so I was in and out with Keegan uh, Wilkins played me a few times uh, and he came in and kind of said, "You know what? I want you to play holding midfield. I want you to do this and this, and then give the ball to the better players. And then when we lose it, <laughs> and when you lose it, I want I want you to kick this player and then give it again to the better players. And give it quick. And then he'd always moan. asked Barry. He's always. It he seemed to be on. I don't know where it was. Just because I was with Barry, but. It, er- <laughs> come on, come on, even if I'd have a plate of food, oh, it's too much, it's too much. I uh, Put ketchup on my food, oh, what are you doing putting ketchup on your food? Oh, why, why are you drinking a fizzy drink? It was just, you know, it was a realization of what you had to be to try and be a top, top player. So for me, he was, he was great. Barry? Um, for me, Kevin Keegan signed me, and he, he was a
7: legend anyway, and he, he made me feel 10 feet tall. Is that it? He said to me, I'll sign you f- for a reason, so don't change your style of play and just go out and just express yourself and which, which I've eventually done but when he left I was a bit gutted and then when John come in um, he just said to me go out there, I want you to, first and foremost we're at a meeting and I'm thinking well I guess that's me surplus and he said to me no I want you to stay, I want you to just, just be less aggressive <laughs> 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 but um and and get yourself a little bit fitter, which I did, and, and the rest is history, really? Absolutely. Right, two, two more. I've got at the back there. Uh,
3: This one for Sean. Uh, so, Sean, you moved over to, to Spurs later in your career. We uh, you also had Dempsey moving over, Steed. Uh,
4: yeah, Bay Area. Bay Area. Yeah. Much yeah. players, oh wow, how much time have you got for me to destroy and hammer the life out of Spurs and Daniel Levy? Wow, even though Barry's a Spurs fan, I don't really want to talk about Spurs that much, but no, for me, I'll, listen, if I could go back in time, I've said this to many people, if I could go back in time and reevaluate it i probably would have stayed uh, at the time players were going uh, we weren't even at craven cottage at the time players were going sahar went Finn went van der saar went and i was kind of you know not pressured it was like oh do you want to take the next step to be you know that top player so i decided to go and after a week i knew i knew it wasn't for me because Short story, uh, my little girl was premature at the time and I was injured and I was going to the Chelsea Winston Hospital and then I was had to go to training. They wouldn't give me any time off and then they wanted me to move there. So it kind of, it kind of never started at Spurs. So that's probably one of the main reasons why I kind of regret the move. If, if I could go back in time 100% I'd have stayed at Fulham. And then I always remember watching the uh, UEFA Cup Final thinking, shit, why didn't I stay? <laughs> Uh, But I think I think that's life, you know. You kind of it's hindsight, you know. It is what it is. Uh, I still got a great affinity with the club. As uh, soon as I uh, I retired from injury and and stopped playing, I I came back to the club. I, you know, was involved in the coaching. I was involved with the the co-commentary with Jim for a little bit. Still do a little bit now with the club. It's you know close to my heart. Uh, So yeah, like I say, if I could go back in time, I'd. Definitely done that to Daniel Levy. <laughs> I
6: was I was only gonna do one more, but my man at the back's in a Fulhamish t-shirt, so I'm giving the benefit of doubt. <laughs> Go on, pal, what you got? So um, realistically, where do we finish in the table this season? Where do we finish in the championship this season? Barry, you can start us off.
7: Um, with all honesty, I think we're gonna come second.
4: What's we'll take game? <laughs> Come second, yes. Uh, wow. Uh, do you know what? Do you know what? I think l- last season or the season two before, all, all Fulham fans would have gone, do you know what? I want to get in the playoffs. I want to watch Fulham playing in Wembley. Uh, this season, never, I don't think they want to do that again. <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna say that was a great day out though. I, oh yeah, I, I, I missed it unfortunately. I, I didn't get all, I didn't get all the free drinks that you got. Out there. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we're gonna win it. <laughs> Always the crowd pleases sure. <laughs> children
6: last one and Alf what you got? who's
2: the most technically gifted player you've
6: played with who's the most technically gifted player you've played with I'm actually going to open this one up to George and Dom as well um,
4: uh, it, it has to the one player at Fulham I have to say it was a standout in regards to could do anything could, could shoot with his left could shoot with his right could bring the ball down on his chest could score from five yards could, sco- could score from 30 yards uh, I thought Simon Morgan was probably the <laughs> uh, uh Louis Sahar Louis Sahar Listen, that that kid had everything. Like, uh, listen, don't get me wrong. I thought I was half decent at passing the ball, but he used to make one of my bad passes look like a good pass. And I think that season when when we got promoted and it was him, Barry, and Louis Balmort I was just just frightening. But he had everything. It was a shame that he had picked up a few injuries, otherwise he would have gone on to be literally... Even though he did play in the World Cup for France and play for Man United, he's won the Champions League, I just feel that the, injury, the injuries held him back and he could have scored a lot. Like I say, he could do anything with the ball, anything. I think once we played Wolves at home and we had two penalties, I think he hit one with his left and one with his right. It was like, what foot are you, Louis? Oh,
6: I'm both. I was like, okay then same game there's only two players that have ever done that for Fulham, but one of them did it in the same game which is kind of different class
7: Barry um, I second that um, people ask me the same question and then they say the, um, when I say the Louis and they say no I don't mean striker and I, and I say no I mean the best player throughout because he was the, he was quality at pace great in the air as Sean said two good feet but I will go back to training days when I was glad that I was a striker <laughs> <laughs> playing against him and that, because the things he'd done in training to our teammates, I'd be like wincing <laughs> thinking, save it to Saturday, Louis save it to Saturday. Fantastic.
6: <laughs> well, there we are. And I suppose that probably brings this to a close. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please, can you give it up? Sean Davis. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank, thank you.
3: you. Thank you. Thank you.
6: and also for Gentleman Jim, please, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to Don Betts, George Singer, Farrell Monk, Ben Jarman. I'm going to keep going, lads, you're going to have to keep going. I've been Jack Collins, the biggest shout out of all. Mr. Sammy James, please, uh, yeah. 200 episodes in, and that man, that man. Thank you so much for coming to is 200. It's been an absolute blast. We've got live music on next. Please don't go anywhere. Stay, drink, talk Fulham. Let's have a laugh. Let's have a joke. Let's have a drink. See what happens. Take care, lads. Thank you very, very much. You whites. You whites!